So what I'm really sharing is kind of, I, I told everybody in the first service this was a practical part of administrating the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Everybody say, kingdom of God come. Will of God be done. So guess what? The kingdom of God just got more real in your life. Now what are you going to do with it? <laughs> that's, that's really what I want to talk to you about just briefly. Uh, is, is trying to be, uh, you know, God gives mankind the uh, responsibility of administrating the kingdom of heaven, the spiritual realm in the earth. He's given that to us. We have, a, we have the Holy Spirit in us, and He wants us, we have a responsibility to do something with the Holy Spirit. We have a responsibility to do something with the kingdom of heaven. It's our job, okay? God's given it to us. We have it. Jesus, Becky's going to talk about, she uses the, well, what Jesus said, the kingdom of God is at hand. It's right here within our reach. We have it in our hands. What are we going to do in our hands? I saw on television a commercial where Oprah was going to give a bunch of people a million dollars each. I mean, this is real. She's going to give them a million bucks. But the only uh, trick to the thing is they have to give that million dollars away. And it's some kind of contest. I'm not, I didn't really catch the details. I'm not no big Oprah television fan. But there's going to be a contest. And whoever does the best with giving it away is going to get a million dollars to keep. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Somebody give you a million bucks to give away, and then you get a million to keep. But the Lord has given us something far greater than a million dollars. I mean, far greater. And what He wants us to do is take that gift that He's given us and, and, and I want to use this term, manage this gift. Uh, steward means administrate. Be a good steward. Everybody knows about being a steward. It means to administrate. It means to manage a household, manage affairs. And that's really what God's called us to all to be stewards of the kingdom of God on earth. So uh, that's really what I want to semi-talk semi to you about. Each one of us in this room, if you're born again on a personal level, you have the kingdom of God in you. You have the Spirit of God in you. And your job is to do something with that. Your job is, is to make sure that thing is, is the intended purpose of it. Also, every parent who has a home and person who manages a household, you don't have to be a parent, but you have a household. Your job is to take care of the atmosphere in that household. In other words, your house should be a spiritual house. And if it's not, the reason it's not is because you're not facilitating it to be a spiritual house. And the, and the churches in America, every church should be spiritual. Every church should be charged with a spiritual atmosphere. That's, that's really the truth. It's really what God's given the churches. We're supposed to get this release, let this spiritual atmosphere be released into the church, and we're supposed to take care of it and use it the way God wants us to do. Amen? Yeah. And this is just wonderful. I had a dream recently I'm, that really got me thinking about this. Is, uh, this person I know, God had made this huge investment in them. Huge investment. And they took this investment that God had given them and they hung it on their front door. That's what they did with it. They hung it like a, it was like a, a thing on their front door and somebody stole it. And they came to me and said, somebody has stolen the investment of the Lord. Will you give us another investment? That's what they said to me. I said, I can't give you another investment. I can help you get that one back if you really want it. If you really want it, God, because you know, God 
God is a wonderful Father. And no matter what we do, it, it really doesn't matter to Him. He doesn't care because He's a Daddy and He'll love you no matter what. But He's also a very wise businessman. And, and He doesn't lose His investments. Do you hear what I'm saying? If He invests in a person and that person chooses not to take that investment and do something with it, we parable of talents, that person chooses not to, then He will just take that, not... not reject you but he will take that and find another person and says here take this now I tell you what I've read where there's some people who have tremendous giftings and callings and tremendous effective ministries and some of them said I was the third person and th- there was a person who was supposed to have this and they didn't take it and then there was another person and I was the third, third the, God's third choice for this because they didn't the first two people that God meant for it they didn't receive it are y'all hearing what I'm saying to you? Is everybody okay? Like, like Rhonda said, this is a happy message, right? <laughs> it is a happy message. All right, let me read 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 8. And this is like Paul at the end of his life. Paul the Apostle. I really want to encourage everybody to become Paul the Apostle uh, disciples this morning. Because this, this man is really incredible. He says, For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. And, and the time of my departure, meaning his death, has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. In the future, okay, now everybody needs to know, in the future, that means in heaven, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will reward, reward award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all those who have loved his appearance. Did you, hey, did you know this? A lot of people don't love the Lord's appearing right now. I'm, that's the truth. The Lord wants to appear to people. And, but a lot of people don't love it because when He appears, He doesn't always appear the way we think He should appear. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? The Lord shows up in ways that we don't think is the Lord. He's tricky. He did it at the garden. They thought He was a gardener at the tomb. You know, He fooled everybody when He came as a little baby. You know, I mean, he just, that just seems to be his thing. The, the men on the road to Emmaus just thought he was some guy walking down the road with them. So we need to learn how to recognize the Lord. And I think this is some things that will help you this morning recognize him. First of all, I want to say this. This is really important. Paul was saying he was being poured out. I've been poured out. I'm already being poured out. So this in the Bible is really, I mean, this is a voice of a real witness. This is a voice of a martyr. I mean, that's his voice. I mean, if you, if you and I can go back, be below the surface of these words, there's something in that. that this is, there, there's some power in these words that we haven't really tapped into in the church yet. This is a real martyr right here. And God really wants to... He's a real witness. And, and the Lord really wants to raise up people who become witnesses of Him. And I believe this. This is what I really believe with all my heart. I believe God right now... And I've been telling y'all this. I don't think y'all believe me on this one. God has been breaking the Scriptures open. Okay? 
Right now, there's an anointing for the Scriptures that's released. No matter what you think, no matter what your experience tells you, right now there's anointing for the Scriptures for you and I to receive the Scriptures in a way that we've never received it. And the Scriptures are a lot deeper than the surface words that are written in this book. And when the Bible talks about being baptized, it's literally being talked about being immersed. And, and God wants us to go below the surface of the, of the Scriptures because there's this power. I really believe this. I believe that if we can go below the surface, that, that literally the anointing, the authority, the power that Paul walked in himself can be imparted to us. That there's this, there's this impartation that you can actually get out of the Scriptures. Are y'all getting this? This is... And, and Jesus, on the road to Emmaus, it says He took the bread representing the Word and broke it. And when it says when He did, their eyes were open and they saw Him. Okay? Their eyes were open and they saw Him. And that's really what the, what the Lord wants to do. The Lord wants to, to bring a people that really have a life in the Scripture that's beyond just reading the Bible. And the Lord's doing that right now. He's releasing it so you and I can go deeper in the Scriptures right now. It's available for us. It really is. It's really available. I'm telling you. I'm not lying to you. I'm telling you it's the truth because we can experience this if you want to. And people say, I don't have time for that. I don't have time to read the Bible. Yes, you do. You've got time to read two sentences in the Bible. I mean, all you need to do is read a sentence. And, get, and let that sentence, and, and read beyond the sentence. Let the Holy Spirit take you beyond the surface. Because that's what He wants to do, and impart something to you. There may be one word, and that's one verse that, may be, that can change your life and change the life of people around you. And that's really what the, I think one of the things that uh, I believe the Lord really wants to, to impart to us. Let's read 2 Timothy 3, 10 through 11. That's one of the ways we're going to be able... If we really want to take care of the spiritual realm, that's one of the ways. Is, is, getting beyond the, the, is getting immersed into the Scriptures, going down into it, Go, being immersed, letting it, letting it become something to you that is not. Getting this thing, this impartation off, off these people who wrote the Bible. You know, we, we believe in impartation for people today praying for us, Right? I mean, we believe in the gift of impartation. How much would it be? How powerful would it be to get some of Paul's impartation? Would anybody like that? Yeah. Raise your hand if you want some of Paul's impartation. Y'all have just fallen into a trap. Because <laughs> let, let me tell you about some of Paul's impartation. This is what he said. Second Timothy three ten and eleven. He didn't really fall into a trap. He says, "Now you follow my teaching." Conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, perseverance. Now, it just, started going, it just started going down the tubes, man, right there on perseverance. But then it really gets worse. Persecutions and sufferings. Okay, so when we're saying, Lord, uh, we want some of Paul's impartation, it's like, oh, gosh. But think about this. Think about this. Paul tells a person to follow his conduct. Now, that's... If you think about it, that's kind of cult-like, isn't it? Seriously, that's cult-like, right? Didn't cults follow people like that? Yeah. Don't cults follow one man's purpose 
It, don't in America we say get your find your purpose? But Paul's not telling them. To, he's saying to Timothy, don't go out and look for your purpose in life, baby. Take my purpose. Follow my purpose. You know? Think about that. Follow my teaching. Can anybody say that today without it being, you know, a cult? But Paul was able to say that. And think about all the other experiences that Paul, other things. Paul has the greatest experiences of anybody in the Bible, really, in one sense. That he wasn't alive with Jesus. I mean, he was alive, but he wasn't with Jesus. Think about the angelic encounters he had. Anybody like to have angelic encounters like Paul had? Uh, you know, the Lord himself appearing to Paul. Going up into the heavens and having such a profound thing that he could not speak about it. Most people who have those heavenly experiences today can speak about it. Meaning there's higher levels of heavenly experiences. Okay? There's levels of heavenly experiences that you can't even talk about. That's the level that Paul had. He, wanted, he said, I can't talk about this. It was so powerful. Now imagine how powerful that is. That's probably, getting, that's probably getting to the zenith of heaven. I mean, that's what he had. And I believe as we, as we can really get, catch this, I, I want you to get this. I don't think I can explain what I'm saying to you. But I believe we can get some of that from the Word, from what Paul wrote. I believe we can, we can, it can be released into our lives on some level, in some measure. Amen? That's really what God's doing right now. If we're going to really take care of the heavenly realm, if we're going to really take care of this heavenly atmosphere, this will help us to get some of this, this often Him, often Paul, often John, often Peter, often these people, that there's this release that can happen to the people. But this is really the truth. I think we've got to get this about Paul. Paul, as, as wonderful his, as he was, he, and as great as he was, and all the things that he had, those were not the, that was not a, the motivating factor in his life. Okay? Though his purpose, his calling was not his motivating factor. That was not what motivated Paul. I mean, you know, all, and, you know the, the experiences he had didn't motivate him. His theology, think about his theology. Have you ever thought about his theology? You ever thought about the book of Romans? Think about the thousands of theological books that thick that have been written in the, in the, since, since his time trying to explain stuff that his guy wrote. This guy was brilliant beyond measure, yet there was not a mind on earth that has ever been able to really dissect it and figure it out. And that's what we've tried to do. We've tried to dissect it, come up with a principle, come up with this, come up with that, put it together, and we're going to be great Christians. But it was all of it. We were missing his points. We missed the tope. All the point of all the theology that we've ever seen, I really believe, has missed the real point. And the real point was, Paul loved, had this passion for the Lord Himself. And that was the thing that drove him, is he had this revelation of Jesus Christ. Are y'all hearing that? I mean, I know we're talking about stuff that's way up here, because this ain't practical. <laughs> you know? But it really is where God wants to take the church. God wants to reveal the Lord Jesus Christ to us like we've never seen Him. He really does. I mean, I hope y'all believe that. 
I hope you feel that in your God. I hope you have this anticipation in you that God is wanting to do something. That God's interested in showing us something that will exceed any angelic encounter, exceed any miracle, exceed any healing, exceed any of that. And it's going to be an unfolding of Him. That's really God's heart for us is He wants us to see Him and know Him like we've never known Him. And, and God is trying to draw us into that now. He's, and, and He's trying to get us to see, you know, a few years ago Rick Warren wrote a book called The Purpose Driven Life, and that was a great book. You know, it was really a great book. You know, 40 Days of Purpose. But see, that purpose that Paul had was not his motivating factor in life. It really wasn't. To, to go and start churches and preach the gospel, uh, all those places, that wasn't the ultimate thing for him. There was something else working on him that said, I'm, you know, I'm going to pour my life out for this. Because you get tired of pouring your life out for doing stuff. You get, it gets old to you. I don't care how good a purpose it is. You could be to go to unreached people in the earth today and pour your life out, but eventually that's going to run out for you. Because the Lord wants to reveal Himself to, to us that we love Him and we're so passionate for Him that that drives our entire life. Now, I really believe this. It, it really is it. it. That's what God wants to do now. So, is everybody okay? <laughs> Let me read something here. Um, he said back there, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. That's verse 7 of 2 Timothy 4, 4, 6 through 8. So that thing there, I finished the course, is more literally, I finished my course. Okay? Meaning that God has given everybody a course to run and to finish. I had this guy tell me this a couple months ago. This guy's a pastor. I've been knowing him for a long time. He said, Byron, I want to tell you something. We ain't the norm. I said, what do you mean we ain't the norm? He said, there's a lot of people who start well but don't finish well. There's a lot of people who start and don't finish. There's a lot of people who don't stay in it. A lot. I'm thinking, really? I never thought about that, really. You know? And that's a sad testimony for the church. That there's people that don't go the long haul with the Lord and go the long haul of what God had for them. They may stay Christians, but they give up on the dreams that God put in them. They give up on the callings that God placed in their life. They didn't take care of it. They put it out in the front door for anybody could get to it. They, they, they put the treasure that God gave them. They just left it out there. They didn't esteem the treasure of God. They esteemed their bank account, maybe. And if I had a bank account, I would probably esteem it. I thought not. There's nothing wrong with the theme in bank accounts, but there's something wrong when we esteem things greater than the treasure. This is what he said to Timothy, Second Timothy one fourteen. Guard, everybody say guard. guard, guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us the treasure which has been trusted to you. Guard it. In other words, Paul is saying something has been entrusted to you. God has given you something. He's entrusted something to you that's greater than anything else. It's the most precious thing there is. And He's put it in your life. 
He's given it to you. And Paul's telling Timothy, who obviously was a pretty high-level person, you know, he was the guy who took over Paul's ministry. When Paul left, he gave it, he passed it on to Timothy. That was the one person he did pass it on to. But he was telling this high-level man, Timothy, Timothy, you've got to guard the treasure that God's given you. You've got to guard this thing with your life. You've got to guard the heavenly atmosphere in your heart with your life. You can't let things get into your life that's going to rob you of this heavenly atmosphere. You can't let the canker worms that get into your mind and just eat you alive in your mind. Does anybody suffer with canker worms that get in their mind? They're spiritual canker worms. You don't realize this. You do suffer with it. I've seen them. Uh, they get into your mind and they eat your mind up. Their thoughts about situations and stuff, and they just consume your mind, and eventually they pollute your heart. We can't afford that as Christians, to let those things get in there and just eat away at us. And, and, and people have houses and homes, and people should be able to walk into your home and know there's somebody else there, that there's a presence there in your home, because you cultivate that presence. You don't let stuff... I mean, I'm not bad on TV, I mean, down on it, but I'm just telling you, you don't let such as blare out into the atmosphere of your house. You know, we listen to, uh, well, we have dogs, so we like to play music for them when they're gone because they say that it helps dogs get, keep from being mean and music does. And we're really careful about the music we let the dogs listen to, <laughs> believe it or not. Not that we're worried about what they're listening to. We are concerned about what's being released in the atmosphere of our home. I don't want cussing, you know, immoral, immoral stuff being, I mean. And it doesn't have to be Christian, but I'm good with classical music and stuff like that. You know, that's not debauchery. Now, I know that sounds kind of crazy to you. But we really do have to consider the atmosphere of our homes as being places where the Holy Spirit wants to manifest Himself. And then in the church, the church should be a, an atmosphere. You see, that's what God's telling me He wants to do in our church. He wants, there's an atmosphere He wants in here. An atmosphere of heaven. Now this is where it gets hard at. Okay? Because it's one thing for you to do it with yourself. It's another thing for you to do it at your house. But it's a different thing when you do it with a bunch of different people. Because when we begin to go after an atmosphere and say to people, that atmosphere is more important than you or I, that's where the problem comes in. Okay? Where we say, we are going to, we are going to honor the atmosphere more than we honor people. Because, see, God really loves people and cares about them. Okay? But he more, He's more concerned about His presence and his, his manifest presence being released in a place because that's how people are ultimately going to be helped. And there's a religious spirit that will wear you out and suck you into things that you should not be sucked into. And it will eat your spiritual life away. It will corrode your spiritual life. Do y'all hear that? Yes. So there's this religious spirit that tells you you've got to do everything that comes your way or, you know, or something that you have these natural affections for where God has no desire for you to be involved in that. None. And you have to make a decision that that's not what you're going to do. That's how you guard that atmosphere, is you make decisions based on the atmosphere. Lord, is the atmosphere good with this? No, the atmosphere's not good with that. Well, we're not doing it then. Right, do y'all understand what I'm saying to you? That's what you, you have to learn, because the atmosphere is the Holy Spirit. And what He says is, is good should be the thing.
Let me just read this, First Timothy 6.20. Are y'all okay with this? I, think, I feel like you're just sort of looking at me with this vague look on your face like, I, I'm not sure what he's talking I'm just trying to tell you this. If we really want to go where we need to go and where God wants us to go, we have to really realize that we've been given a stewardship. And the stewardship is the spiritual realm. The stewardship is the kingdom of heaven. And that must be the most important thing to us, that we take care of that and that we we manage that for God in this earth. And if we're not managing that properly, then He might come and ask us to do something else. 1 Timothy 6, 20-21. Here He is telling Timothy another time, O Timothy, guard what, what has been entrusted to you. Second time He said that. Avoiding worldly and empty chatter. Now that's talking about the world. Okay? And whatever the world brings, you need to avoid that. It's empty. And then there's not only the emptiness, there is opposing arguments. There's this opposition that we have to deal with. And I think some of that opposition is just, a lot of us, it's very subtle. It's just just, this push to do things that God doesn't have you to do. Opposing arguments of what is falsely called knowledge. So, and Becky's going to expound this a little bit. You cannot trust your mind. And you cannot trust your emotions and your feelings. You just cannot do it. You have to trust what, you, what the spirit realm. That's how you need to learn how to make decisions in your life. Do y'all hear this? If, if you want to be successful spiritually, you've got to learn how to trust the spirit realm, what it's saying, what it's feeling. Not what your opinions are, not what your feelings are, because those are deceptive. They are, they are falsely called knowledge, and some have, have really gone after that, and it says they've gone astray from the faith. That's what we have to do. We have to learn how to trust that. And many times that will be in conflict with what we feel and believe. Many times. I find my life most of the time. I'm just constantly having to go back and reset myself. What are you saying about this, Lord? And then you hear the Lord tell you something. You say, well, everybody's going to be mad about that if I say that, Lord. And then he says, well, what's more important? I mean, really, what's more important? What's more important in your home? Well, the kids are going to be upset if we don't do it. But the Lord doesn't want you doing it. So who, you hear what I'm saying? So Becky's going to take over right now. I don't, I don't think y'all are getting this. I really don't. That's the way I feel. I don't think y'all are getting this. Good. <laughs> the North Carolina look. <laughs> well, I'm just hearing this little song right now that I um, heard a long time ago. It says... Um, I have a song, a simple song. It's about Jesus, my Savior. I'm longing for Him more and more. And then it says, I want to live under the waterfall that, spring, that springs from heaven above over and over again. And, you know, that's just where we are as believers. We really just want to live our life under the waterfall. It's just springing from the life of Jesus, you know. And I... Really, I'm just hearing that for you guys right now. You know, that really that's just, it's that simple. It's really that simple that the Lord wants us to learn to live our life 
under the waterfall of his presence and his spirit. And getting our information from him and not from um, legalism, not from the law, not from anything else. And it, it has to be from the Word of God, of course, to line up. Anything the Spirit releases to us will line up with this. But he's really meant for us to live under the waterfall over and over and over again. And we cannot live without that any longer. I think we're really in those days where we can't live without his presence that way. So, And, you know, everywhere we go right now, you know, the word is that we, the kingdom of God is at heaven, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And it really is the now word. If you... Just everywhere. And I think as a body of believers here, we're just wanting to really understand all that God is speaking to us right now about the kingdom being at hand, which is here. We are reaching in and releasing the kingdom of heaven into this atmosphere. And the Lord is teaching us how to live that way, to think that way. Because really up to now, I feel like we've not really fully understood We've, we've understood the gospel of, of getting our sins taken care of. and um, you know, that, and, But it's really sort of stopped there. And the gospel of the kingdom is so much broader than that. It really is. The gospel itself is even broader than just getting our sin taken care of. It really has to do with... Um, it, it has to do with our soul being healed, our bodies being healed. So you see how limited we've been in our thinking. And so we're just at a place now where we're really having to now shift into a whole thing as how, how does the kingdom really affect every place we live and go and breathe. And we're needing to really get in sync with how the kingdom is, not just how the gospel of getting our sins taken care of us. So that's really the journey we've been on for a long time now in this last year and a half. So does that make sense to you? And that's really, that is really what Byron and Matthew and whoever's gotten up to preach for the last year and a half, it's really what we've been really trying to click into is we really have a heavenly realm that God wants us to live in and there's a way of doing that business that we have really not understood because we've had a lot of religion in our thoughts. A lot of religion. And religion is death. That's exactly what Jesus, that's what he went after. Two-thirds of his ministry was dealing with the religious mindset of the Pharisees. And we've had a lot of that here. So we've got to now shift into our mind. This begins to tap into how heaven thinks. And so it's not automatic for us. It's really not automatic. We, we really have to stop and say, okay, you know, this is... And I think we're quick to do that, to go into the automatic mode. And um, so I just really want the Lord to help. I, he's, he's helping me. I've realized I'm very opinionated. And, and the Lord's been speaking. He's been saying this. And I think He's saying to all of us, our opinions will keep us out. They're going to knock us out. So whatever we're doing, wherever we are, whatever is happening around us, the first thing we need to say is, Lord, my opinion is not going to get me anywhere on this. So I really need for you to release heaven's thoughts right now. And 
Um, one of the things God was, has been speaking to me this week, these are just a couple things, um, is this thing about being offended. You know, that song, Misty Edwards, is running in my head. It's like, uh, Lord, baptize my heart with your fire. That's another thing. That's really what heaven's all about is releasing the fire of heaven here so that our behavior will follow and be in sync with heaven. And then, you know, if our hearts are baptized, we really need to realize that when we... This is huge. Right now, Matthew 24, is Jesus is dealing with the last days. And he says this. He's, he's going over with the disciples about the last day events. And I really believe this is why this is key to me or clue that we're, we're very much are now have entered in to the events of the last days that will begin rolling the ball because of the, the gospel of the kingdom being preached. That's what it says, the last day, the gospel of the kingdom. See, we thought just that that meant just that everybody was going to be getting saved all over the world. That's not exactly it. It means this, that the church is beginning to understand that there's a whole gospel of the kingdom that's being unveiled to the church. Okay? And that's the clue that we've entered into the last days. We've entered into the last days. That gospel of the kingdom is being released everywhere. Where we understand what the kingdom's about, heaven salts. And so, but this is the thing I feel like for us, River Life Fellowship, and really it's for the church because Jesus was saying this. Matthew twenty four ten, and many will be offended and repelled and will begin to distrust and desert him whom they ought to trust and obey and will stumble, fall away, betray one another, pursue one another with hatred. And the love of the great body of people will grow cold because of multiplied lawlessness and iniquity. But he who endures to the end will be saved. And I just want to say this. The Lord gave me and Byron this week that word endure. That we're in a season where we really need to set our hearts to endure. And the thing that's going to try to take us out from enduring is being offended. And it's we have to learn to live a lifestyle because here's what Jesus said, when the offenses come. He didn't say he didn't say they might come, he says they're coming. You might as well face it every day you've got an opportunity to be offended. Every day you've got an opportunity because somebody's gonna do something or say something to you. Big or small. And I'm going to tell you, it's usually the small things that take you out the worst. And it's so important in order for us to be able to endure to the end that we be able to handle being offended. And how you do that honestly is you, this is what I tell people every day that come that need advice, is you can't fix other people. What they do, what they say to you. You cannot do anything about it most of the time. But you know who you can do something about? Yourself. And that's really the way that we can keep our heart right is by acknowledging it's a humility thing, really. It's just an opportunity every time. You've got an opportunity to be offended. I think we first need to realize that this thing about being offended is a lot bigger than we think. Because the enemy is using that in the people of God to take them out every day of the race. Every day. 
And so enduring is so important. It's so important that we know how to endure through these times where there's opportunities. And, you know, if you really see what happens, this uh, progression of events of, in, of being offended, then beginning to get distrustful and desertion, then stumbling, falling away, betraying one another, pursuing one another with hatred. Let me tell you, I've been there. I've been so offended I've hated Seriously. And it's, you know, that's, that's just what I want to encourage y'all with today. We have a race to run. Paul was poured out. And one of the ways that we are poured out is by refusing. Because I'm going to tell you, it's easier to go to Africa and give away all your money and feed the poor than to get an over fence. It's a lot easier. Because you can do all that without dealing with your heart. And I just want to encourage you with that. I mean, I've, it's something I've really thought about for a number of years. And I feel like we're, we're, we're in this thing now where it's really important that we, we endure, you know, through some things. And... Um, The good thing about that, though, is that the Lord is baptizing our hearts. He's really given us the ability to overcome. He really is. He, you know, the baptiz—that's. I mean, you might get tired of hearing it. You really might. But we, in the last year and a half, have really realized that the Holy Spirit is our connection to heaven. We're born from above. When you're born again. The Bible, that, that means born from above. That means you have this connection now into that place. And that baptism of fire really is so important because it keeps our hearts able to endure, able to overcome, able to deal with the offenses when they come. It keep, you know, that baptism of fire will come and it keeps, you know, the Lord's always reminding us to humble ourselves. Because humility in this is so the key. Because when you're offended, the best way to deal with it is to go down. Just go down. Just get low. And the Lord will keep us on course of enduring with His Holy Spirit just giving us what we need. Really giving us what we need. You know, we have such... When we think of this thing of enduring, we have... uh, the theme of the whole Bible is really about endurance, if you really think about it. Think about it from top to bottom. We have a lot of testimonies in the Bible is about people who really poured out and gave themselves and endured. And, um, you know, Hebrews 10, I, I just really wanted, I wanted to give you this because um, I felt like it was important that... We don't. It says this about not throwing away your confidence. Okay, do not throw away your confidence because it has great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you've done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. So you see that a lot of what we do, there's not of getting to the things in God is not an automatic. There's an endurance that takes place. And um, I'm really just feeling that. Right now, I, I really sense that for us that the Lord is saying that prophetically. That there is something that the Lord's wanting us to endure through and these things and that 
You know, it's not, it's not going to be, we're not on automatic pilot here in some ways. And that there's some thresholds that God wants us to step over with endurance. And, um, and I'm just saying that. And, and another, this, more, this week somebody said to me, uh, this is just one more quick thing I feel like is an area. That someone said to me this week that they find that when the, every day when they're not really actively going after the Lord and pursuing Him in their relationship, that they're already falling back. And I really felt like this morning when I said that, there was just this power surge that came on it. And I really want to say that to you. I feel like this thing about daily pursuing and enduring is really a real word from the Lord for us that, um, you know, that we really need to continually, every day, not let things get by, you know, being offended, pursuing, you know, realizing this is a race that we're running and it's a daily race. That I feel like that's how some of us are losing ground. So I just want to encourage you with that. And then this was one more thing I wanted to say to you that felt like the Lord said to me this week, it's going to be worth it. When we get through it, two, two mornings this week I woke up with Rita Springer's song where she said it's going to be worth it all. And I've heard, I don't know if I'd even ever listened to that song all the way through. But the reason I want to say that to you because the Lord always, when He is saying something to us, He wants to motivate us with good things. He, he's not a hard God. See, He is saying that. Just like when Jesus endured the cross, it was for the joy set before Him. When the great cloud of witnesses endured all that they did, it was for the heavenly city that they had their eyes set on, which was really the day we're living in now, by the way. This heavenly city we're living in. That's why they endured it. Okay? And, and it's going to be worth it all. You know, we, there are great rewards waiting on us, the people of God. Great rewards. We can't see it a lot of times. But we, you don't really realize how many rewards you are reaping now for those past days where you really where you stepped over a lot of thresholds and enduring moments. But God, there are, you're walking in a lot of rewards right now because of that. And there's more ahead and there's many more on their way. Just wanted to encourage you with that. It's going to be worth it all. The Lord said that this week to me. It's going to be worth it all. It is. You just can't imagine. And we um, Monday night got to, were invited to Bob Jones's birthday party. We were amazed. We got invited. We were so blessed. Um, and the Roundtrees were there. Ed and Anna Roundtree. And we got to, we got to speak to them for a minute. And I was so happy. They wrote the book. The heavens were open, and she had this heavenly encounter. And I was so glad to see them, because I don't know if y'all know, their house burned just a few weeks ago. And I, my heart had been heavy, and so we just immediately went up and talked to them. They have a Jack Russell that they lost in the fire. We have Jack Russell, so I'd just been really, really burdened about that. But when I saw them, um, the first thing I went up to them and just tried to say, oh, we're sorry about the dog. And Ed just came, he did like this to me. He said, Anna went into heaven. You know, and he said, she saw the dog. <laughs> and it was like it just really encouraged them. And I know that might mess with your stuff. Don't worry about it. Just don't worry about it, okay? <laughs> but then he said this to me. He said, 
we have no idea what's waiting for us. He said, this is just the beginning. And man, when he said that, it was so awesome. And I think it was the next morning. I mean, because, you know, she said to me, Anna said, right now we're trying to pass the test because they lost everything. It was just a precious little cabin. Byron and I had visited with them. And, you know, she said, we're in that enduring. And But when he said that, it was like, oh, man, that's right. You know, this is just the beginning. So I just want to encourage you. This is, feel like this is a very now word for us to endure because it's going to be worth it all. And we just want to finish with this video that we found. She didn't say this this time, but last service. And it really is the truth. The key to pursuing the Lord is choosing, well, I'm adding this little thing, but choosing to set our minds. It's just our choices. We choose to set our minds on things above. And it really isn't this forceful pursuing. It really is just choosing to lean back in the Lord and let go and allow Him to come up and come through and release what we need. Okay, so it's not this... Okay, I gotta, you know, do work harder. You know, it's let's lean back into the arms of the Lord and, to, and allow the Holy Spirit and choose to set our minds. We're making this choice daily to set our minds on things above and allow Him to come up and release what we need for that day. I want to share something really quick that the Lord really put on me during worship, and it just every time somebody says something, it just keeps revealing itself. And it's, I'm going to try to condense it as much as I can. The first thing I heard this morning when I came in was like, is the glass half full or half empty? And we tend to look at things that way. And I think also as I was doing that, I looked up and I saw this picture up here, stairway. And as you look at that picture, you'll see there's a platform on that stairway. And that's almost a pausing platform. And it's almost a resting platform. And I think that sometimes we have to choose if we're going to turn around and face the light of the Lord or if we're going to turn our back to it. And I think that it's that matter of restoration also. We can hit that place and we can say, all right, Lord, I'm turning towards you and I'm turning towards that light so that you can strip me down bare, down to my core and restore me. And when we were singing restoration, I think about restoration being a car. And I don't care how many dents, dings, bumps, bangs, whatever, when you restore a car, you take it back to the metal and you start over again and can make it brand new, whole again. And I think that that's what it is with the Lord. You start up that stairway with the Lord and you can decide, you know, some of you right now need to turn around. You need to turn around and face that stairway going up. You know, the question is, which way are the stairs? Are they facing up in front of you or are they facing down? Where's your back? So, and it's real easy just to turn around. Just turn around. Because the glass is, when you're on that platform, you're halfway. It's your decision to decide if you're halfway up or halfway down, if that glass is half full or half empty. And the Lord's saying, just face me and I'll strip everything down and restore you. And one more thing, I just want to say this. There's a temptation in the body of Christ. And the temptation is not immorality. It's not gross sins that we would naturally think there were gross sins. The temptation is to live an ordinary life. Where we just get up and go to work, you know, get our paychecks, come home, eat dinner, watch a little TV. You know, that's the real temptation. 
It's just to live an ordinary life. And God has not called his people to ordinary. He's, he's called us to heavenly. He's called us to heavenly lifestyle. But we release it everywhere we go. Amen.